And we're live. What's up, Mr. Will Campbell? Not too much. So you're my cousin. Right, right. Your dad and my mom are siblings. Correct. Man, that's cool. And you're also a farmer. Right. Tell me about that. Well, grew up on a farm. Um, yeah, was just beef cattle and here recently started raising some meat chickens. Yeah. And uh, now planning on adding some egg layers and some pork to the farm. So what I... I thought farmers raised crops. You're raising animals. What's the deal with that? When does a farmer become a rancher? Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a good question. Why aren't you a rancher? Is that just a Texas thing? Are you throwing these trick questions? At me? <laughs> well, I don't. I don't know. We we uh, we do raise some some crops or put up some hay. You know, just uh, we don't sell crops, but we do make some make some hay just to winter the cattle or to just kind of make feed but so the main thing that you're doing is is the cows and the chickens right, right now what what did it look like growing up like what because your your dad's been a farmer pretty much his whole life right right and uh yeah so what what did it look like growing up um well he uh he was farming on the side he was he was banking and farming on the side and and finally got to where where he could just farm um and then he's been um expanding the farm i guess yeah. here the last last few years um but yeah he had uh had you know cat beef cattle herd and and it just kind of kept kept growing so he's he's exclusively beef cattle right and so when when you were growing up you're you know, like you're working the farm with him, you're helping him. Are those like chores? Are they like optional things? Like how does it, you know, like growing up in, in the suburbs where I grew up, it's like, ah, oh, I got to mow the lawn. I got to take out the trash. I got to like, I got to do chores, but I, you know, like it's not farming. So how does that work? Like as a kid growing up on a farm? Oh, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was awesome. I mean, <laughs> um, I don't know what, what it would have uh, been like. You know, if I wouldn't have liked it, but I loved it. So I was just, you know, out there farming, probably in his way more than helping or, <laughs> but, but now I just, I loved it. You know, I just yeah. grew up on a farm and loved it and knew I wanted to, I didn't know I would be able to farm like for a, for a living. I always wanted to, the farm to be part of my life, but I didn't know, you know, that I could make a go of it. Just, just farming. Right. Um, right. So, so growing up. I mean, like, obviously, like, you went to school and you did the you did the normal school thing. So, did you like did you wake up and like work cows and stuff before school and then after school, or did your dad just kind of do it while you're at school and then you helped out more in the summers? Yeah, we we helped some out, you know, during during school, um, like on week or uh, you know after school or weekends and and summers, um, and then if I mean there were. You know, some days, like if we had a had a big day, he'd let us maybe go to school late. We'd work for a while in the mornings if if it was a big, you know, big big chore. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was fun. It was That's fun. cool. And then, so so your your dad sort of like obviously he he you know grew his farm and land, but also grew his his herd size, right? So 
describe to me like how does the how does the cattle business work? Like how does your dad does he like breed cows and does he you know raise them and then and then sell them for meat or like what's how's how's his business work? Well, he uh, he has a cow calf operation and. You know, so he's got mama cows, and, and you know he breed gets the and bulls and gets the cows bred, and uh, the cows will raise a calf, and then um, they used to just sell them right off the cow. Like buyers would come in and um, you know make make a make a deal on the calves, and then they would just whenever they're weaned, they would be sold then. How long does it take? How long is a cow pregnant? It's about like nine months. About nine months. Yeah. And then they have the calf, and then how long is the calf with the mom before they're weaned? Um, it, it it depends, but but you know that a cow can you know have a have a calf every year, so uh, you want to try to pull the pull the calf off. And um, I mean, it could be like if if a calf's born in March, you know, we'll wean them like October, November. Okay, um, that makes sense. So about six months. Yeah, and sometimes longer, but you know it could be six to six to eight, not more than ten. You definitely want to pull them off of there a couple of months before they're they're going to calve again. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So they're wait a minute. So before they calve again, or before they're bred again? See, the cows will like a, like a spring. Um, a cow that has a calf in the spring will uh, will put the bulls back in. You know, in in June. So that, that cow will get bred, you know, two or three months after she has a calf. And then Got it. that way she'll have a, a calf again the next spring. Okay. So, wow. Okay. So the, the, cows, the cows are having calves every year, like you were saying. Right. And then, so the way, the, the way your dad's operation works is he'll wean them after about six months. And then when he was starting, you said he would sell the weaned calf. How how he heavy? Would, he would sell them in the in the fall, okay. or uh, you know, just whenever it's time to wean the calves. Right. Just sell them, and and it would be um, six hundred pounds. Okay. You know, five to seven in that range. And then who who's buying this cow, or these cows? Oh, that's a good question. That was uh, there used to be just kind of some some buyers that would just come in and. And uh, you know, kind of price them and look at them, and they would just kind of trade on them. Um, and is it just sold by the pound? Right. And so, if you know, if the cows look good, then it's you know whatever three dollars a pound, two dollars a pound, something like that. Right. And then who sets that? Is it just the market that sets that per pound cost? Or? Right. There, there's like a, um, yeah, like a like a commodity market for for feeder cattle right. that, that that price is going to be based on. And it can be up or down, you know, depending on, you know, the, the quality or where they are, how far they've got to be shipped or, um, you know, a lot of factors, but they're all based around whatever that commodity market is. Got it. So there'll be some sort of market price. And then if you're selling a higher quality breed, like what, what determines the quality of a cow? Right. Yeah. Breed. Um, you know, um, the buyers are looking for, uh, you know, carcass uh you know carcass potential and and just kind of the the quality of the of the animal you know the um and you know i guess how uh just what kind of shape they're in you know yeah. if, if they're fleshy or lean or um you know or, or color you know a lot of a lot of people want, want black-headed cattle hmm. um 
Because deers are worth more than the than the heifers, but uh, really, why is that? Well, um, I guess I guess the the, the carcass weight and they they'll just I, get bigger. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, so 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 then people buy them and then they'll take them from that six hundred pound weaned calf into I mean how how big does a cow get? Oh, that's good. I don't know what they're <laughs> finished at. Probably like fifteen, sixteen hundred pounds. Oh wow. If, uh, if I was guessing, you're like out at the feedlots, but uh, I'm not positive. Yeah. So, I mean, but you're going north of a thousand pounds for most, most cows. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then they're slaughtered and then, uh, and then obviously like that's what you eat. So you're, how much, how much meat are you getting off of, you know, a cow? Like if, if you were to buy a cow and then put that cow in your freezer, how many pounds of meat are you talking? Um, like a 1100 pound um, 11, 1200 pounds. I would say like end up with 400 pounds of meat in the freezer. Maybe wow. that's a lot of, that's a lot of burgers, right? <laughs> it is a lot of burgers. Yeah. Okay, cool. So your dad sort of started this operation doing like doing calf cows. And is that primarily still what he does? Yeah. He, uh, he used to have, um, Angus cows and cross them with a Charlay bull. They're big white bulls. Um, and uh, and then whenever he started kind of growing his herd, he really wanted to to kind of control the genetics. And instead of just going out and buying more cows to expand, he wanted to kind of build his herd. Um, that way he knew what he has, you know. So he started just keeping a lot more heifers. Um, instead of selling heifers, he would... Um, you know, just sell the steers and keep the heifers and breed them and build them into the herd um, and kind okay. of expand it that expand way. Expand the herd. So he, he really kind of got uh, um, got into the genetics and getting really good good bulls that had good maternal traits to, you know, that would make good, good cows. Um, wow. I had no, literally no idea this much went into it. <laughs> I guess it makes sense because if you're breeding, if you're breeding every single year, you don't want, you know, you don't want to give a mama cow her son. <laughs> right, right. So where where do you get the bulls? Um, like, do does does your dad own like uh, like five or six bulls? Yeah, he has several. He has okay, so he has several bulls. But then you can also go out and just get, you know, the, like get a bull with totally different genetics, so that you're not like, I don't know what the word is. So right. So your herd is healthier. And, and you kind of have to keep, you know, especially if you're, if you're keeping your heifers, you know, obviously, um, you know, if your heifers are going to be mama cows in your herd, you don't want to them bred to, to their sire. Um, so, right. so you, you, know, you kind of either have to keep really good records with which cat, which bulls breeding which cows or, or every couple of years you replace your, replace your bulls. Right. Um, hold on one second. All right. Sorry about that. <clears throat> so, all right. So you, you keep records of each cow and then you track, um, you track who the bull is of that, of that cow or so, so when you're, when you're breeding with, with the cows in your, in your herd, you're, you're keeping track of the bull that that sired the offspring of, you know, the next generation, right? Right, right. Okay. And then 
you're you're bringing in new genetics kind of all the time and you're trying to like over time evolve the the herd into like what what are you looking for just good strong maternal traits like you know yeah what are you looking for all right um yeah, good, strong maternal traits. And, and so what's that look like? Is it like a certain frame? Is it a certain size? Is it what their calves look like? Right. Um, um, black black uh, hided cows tend to, to be more marketable. Um, Why is that? Um, black Angus. Um, I don't know. People just kind of put black with black Angus. and um, They just seem to do better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, but not that there's not a market for other you know other kinds of cattle um, right but uh, but yeah frame you know you want uh, or my my dad he he kind of wanted like a medium framed uh, mama cow they're not doesn't quite take quite as much uh, they don't eat as much you know you don't have to it doesn't take as much feed to winter them and then um, and then breed them with maybe a little framier bull and then get some. Um, you know, little little stretcher calves, I guess. Like longer, right? Wow, I, I literally had no idea this much thought went into it. I mean, it, it makes sense. Like when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, I guess that you know that totally makes sense. But like when when you're just going to the grocery store, you see beef, and you're like, oh, well, it just like you don't think about what goes into it into that showing up. So. So your dad went from just doing calf cow to keeping a lot of his heifers and then turning those heifers into more cows for his herd. Right. So let me make sure I got this right. So when a cow is born, it's either a, well, it's, it's considered a calf, but you can have a calf that's either a heifer or a bull. Right. And then you turn the bulls, you turn the vast majority of the bulls into steers by castrating them. And then that, like, so first off, why do you do that? Is it so that, so that they don't, so that you can control your herd better? Um, well, that's the way my dad always did it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the, the, the way they, um, you know, if you look at a, a bull, they're just, you know, I mean, you've seen the, the, yeah. the difference in a bull and a, and a big steer. They're huge. Right. They're huge. And they're angry. And they're mu- they, they look, they look just tough right you know like do I, I would imagine that that you're not eating bull when you go to the store and, and get beef I mean they'll they'll probably make hamburger out of the bulls that are cold onto the market okay um, um, but I don't know yeah okay but the vast majority sure somebody's eating it yeah but, but I don't the vast don't. majority of so if you get a steak at a grocery store you're probably you're probably getting a a steer or heifer that's just gone to the market probably you know that's uh yeah i mean i like to say probably but i don't know yeah <laughs> and that's really part of the reason why we're kind of starting to finish our own that way we do know what steaks we're eating right um, but but yeah probably a steer or heifer that's finished in a feedlot um um yeah yeah so, so a cow is born, it, you either, you either pull it off and make it a bull that you're going to use to populate or maybe sell somewhere else so that it doesn't cross contaminate within your, your own herd. Then you're going to take your, uh, 
your dad has been taking the the a lot of the heifers from the herd and then making cows out of them. Right. That way that they can repopulate the herd. And you said something else. So you said um, cull the bull. So like so presumably your dad is going to take some of the heifers and then replace some of the older mama cows. Right. So how how many calves does does a cow have in her? Uh the good ones have a bunch. Like 10? Yeah. I mean 15? Yeah. I mean some of them get to be pretty pretty old. Wow. Um, and those are uh Yeah, so pretty much we just kind of call like if we we get them checked when we when we wean the the cows, um get them preg checked and uh and and we kind of use you know if they're if they're not bred back we'll we'll call unless they're really really good and really young and want to maybe maybe push a, a spring calver to a fall calver or something. Oh, I see. Okay, um, so so you put the bull in. So you'll you'll put the bull in. Presumably, the bull just does what the bull does to all the cows in the in the in the herd. And then a few weeks later, you're going to check to see if those cows are pregnant. And then if a cow isn't pregnant, then you're assuming that there's that there's probably something wrong with that cow, or at least that cow doesn't have like the best genetics. And if they're not able to get pregnant once, maybe twice. Right. Sometimes it, it, it's hard to justify, you know, feeding a cow for a year that's not raising a calf. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, it's, it's and, a, and just kind of looking at body condition and, and, you know, we can kind of keep up with how old they are with their you know, with their ear tags. Um, but we look at just body condition more than, than the age really, you know, as as long as they're maintaining good body condition and raising a good healthy calf and are getting bred back, then we just keep them in the herd. Right. And so then if they miss, a, if they miss a, if, if they don't get pregnant, maybe if they're young, maybe if there's a few variables, you'll push them back half a year, put them in a, in a different breeding cycle. But otherwise you're going to call that, call that calf and then, or that cow, and then you're going to let, you know, you have your replacement heifers right. that come in, but you're also expanding your herd with, with additional heifers that, that are being born. Right. Okay. So now if out of, out of all of the, out of all the boy cows, cab, whatever, out of all the bulls that are born, you're taking most of those, you're castrating most of those and you're raising those as, as steers and then you're selling those. Yep. And those are, those are what, you know, a lot of what you eat. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. So now your dad is, uh, okay. So your dad is doing sort of growing his herd and playing, like figuring out the genetics, improving the genetics of his herd. Um, what, uh, and, and that's, is that, is he still in that growth process or what's the limiting factor for how big you can grow? Your grass, um, okay. you know, how much, how much land, uh, or, or grass you have available. And, um, he, he was able to, uh, to, to rent some other, other pastures, um, close by. And so if you had, you know, like just, just for frame of reference, if you had a hundred cows, I don't know if this math will work. If you, if you know this math off the top of your head, but if you had a, if you had a herd of a hundred, how much land would you need to be able to, to, you know, manage that many cows? Um, if I was, I, w- I would say, you know, keeping them through the year and, you know, making feed to, or winter them, um, 
probably 250 to 300 acres. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So like mama cows that raise calves, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, all right, man. Okay. So the limiting factor for your, for your dad is the, the amount of land basically, right? Cause like you, you've been talking a few times about feedlots. Now I like I'm, I'm a little familiar with the, with the feedlot concepts. You know, you watch documentaries on Netflix or whatever, but uh, like, have you ever been to a feedlot? Do you know like what, what, what goes on there? Like, or do you know what, what that means? Yeah. I mean, uh, being in the cattle industry, I should probably know more about it than I do, but, uh, <clears throat> um, I mean, I've, I've been, been out West and kind of gone through them, but not, yeah. um, been, yeah, not been in them, but presumably, or I mean like, you know, the, the, the stories that you hear are just, you know, these cows are just sort of stationary in this one spot. Maybe they have a small pen or maybe there's a, a large group of animals in this pen and then the feed just sort of comes to them. They're fed a lot of grain, soy, um, you know, and, and that, that sort of stuff. And then the goal of the, of the feedlot is just to take them from maybe that six, 700 pound cow, turn them into that 1500 pound cow and then, and then put them on the market. Is that like more or less? Right. And most of what you see there, or at least my opinion or my impression of what, what, what happens there is they're just trying to get as many animals in as small a space as possible to, you know, really work the numbers, I guess. Right. And I don't know if that's their goal to get as many in as, but, but yeah, that's kind of the way it, uh, right. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how, you know, I, I guess out there is where all the feed is. So they're making all this feed and storing it and then just trying to feed them all close to where the feed is. Oh, that makes sense. Right. Okay. Cause they, you know, they, yeah, they have just beautifully flat, beautiful pastures and then they can make as much and make lots and lots of feed. Yeah. And then so they keep the cows close to where the feed is. Like, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and and a lot of times, so when you sell cows from here, a lot of times they'll just go out to, to the West and they'll go to the feedlots out there. If you sell it on, you know, the commodity market. Right. That's where they'll, yep, yep. Okay. That's where they'll end up. So the, the way... So now that your dad sort of has expanded his operation into, into the land that he has, he's mostly just maintaining his herd now. Is he like focused on growing it, just like improving the genetics and, and just continuing to just have a, a, right. a better breed? Right. Okay. He, he, he did get to where he can, uh, I guess whenever he started keeping those replace, replacement heifers um, or building his herd with heifers, he, he started, instead of selling the steers off the cow, he would wean the steers um, and, and instead of selling a 600 pound steer, he would wean that steer and graze it and get it up to like 800 pounds or something. Okay. Um, but, but other than, yeah, that's, that's about, you know, that's about what he's doing now. Okay. That's cool. And so you, you know, obviously born in this, uh, born, born in, onto this farm and into this farm and family and then. Just growing up on the farm, you learned, you know, the way that your that your dad did business, right? Yeah, um, and he, he does business really well. You know, right. like he's a very like very good, you know, good farmer, right? So when you were starting, um, you know, you were talking about like you were trying to see if there was a way that you could become a farmer and if you could do this full time because that's where your passion is. So, so tell me about how you sort of, uh, you know. Like how you went from, I guess, finishing up college and trying to figure out what you're going to do with your life and then, 
realizing that you could make it work in farming? You know, like how did how did that process? All right. Shape well, I'm up? still trying to figure out if I can make it work. In farming. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we uh, well, I studied business in in school, and kind of went back and forth between business and education. I was thinking maybe maybe teaching. You know, I could farm on the side. You know, with summers and um, but. Uh, but he, uh, I started uh, milking cows um, in college. Like, uh, came home for summer and started milking cows um, at a at a season. It was a organic um, grazing dairy um, over over in Sugar Grove, and I I really liked it. That's um, cool. And uh, so so, anyways, he he offered me a job right out of college, and uh, so yeah, I started milking cows, and I was able to keep helping my dad and I started uh kind of building my own beef herd at that time. Okay. And, uh, like with with your dad. So maybe you like using your dad's land and they would like be Well, there was another farm that that came up uh to to rent and I ended up, you know, buying some cows from my dad. Oh, I see. Um, so I could start building building my, you know, he was just going to kind of let me run that other farm. Oh, okay. And uh so I was So then you're just starting your herd on that farm that you're renting. Right. Okay. So yeah, I was milking cows and then had some some beef cows, and uh, yeah, and really I was kind of thinking about um, um, milking, you know, like starting a like a, a seasonal, um, you know, grass grass based dairy. Really? Um, Is that what? It, was it a grass based dairy that you were working for? Right. Wow. And it was just seasonal, so just during the summer. W- yeah, it was most, it was like they, you know, the, the cow, like in dairies, uh, the cow gets bred, right, and then has a, has a calf, and then they produce milk. Um, and they just don't stop. So they, uh, well, the, even the, you know, the dairies will, will, will dry those cows up for, for a couple months before they calve again. Oh, so, I see. So okay. dairies milk you around, but those, they'll, they'll have some cows dry at, um, Got it. like they want, but anyways, this dairy had them all go dry at the same time. So he, instead of having cows getting bred at different times of the year to keep a pretty steady milk flow, he had them all to calve in the spring. That way he could dry them all up, you know, around Christmas or, you know, and then, and take a little break from, uh, from, from milking. And then the cows would all, um, that's insane. And so what, what he would just, he would just sell the, the raw milk or what would he process it he, further? Now he, he had a contract with uh, an organic, um, I think it was Organic Valley. Okay. And then he would just sell them the, the raw they, cow milk and they, they would process it and, they, it and yep. become their brand. Right. And I'm not sure, you know, because they were, they were producing a lot of milk in the in the spring. You know, and a cow's lactation, like whenever they they have a calf, um, their their milk will go up and then it'll gradually go down, you know. So so for that, that dairy, the, the milk... You know they were getting a lot of milk June, you know May, June, July, and then tapered down to. Yeah. Not What's very a lot much. of milk? I mean, what are we talking like? Hundreds of gallons, thousands of gallons. Well, a lot of milk for for this dairy wasn't very much. These weren't producing near what. Um, yeah. I mean, these were probably like thirty thirty pounds a day or something. Okay. Um, whereas some cows will, you know, milk a hundred pounds a day or more. Right. That's inc- like wow. That's incredible. 
Okay. So you were doing the dairy thing for a little bit. You were starting your herd and, uh, what, like what, how did, and you were thinking about maybe starting a seasonal, uh, dairy thing. So what sort of tipped it to, uh, to the cow thing over the dairy thing? Um, well, a couple things just kind of happening at the, um, you know, at, at the, at the right time, I guess, but we, um, there, there was some, some land that was being foreclosed on, yeah. um, that, that we're, we're, you know, we're, we're ended up with and trying to, you know, trying to, trying to farm it now. But, uh, and then also the, the, um, the guy I was milking cows for, um, sold his cow herd and oh. wasn't, wasn't going to milk. So I was going to have to, you know, change directions and then, and then this other, you know, land came available and we were, you know, it was just one of those opportunities that was just uh once in a lifetime kind of yeah, thing. You just got to take it. It's almost like it was, it was there just right. for you. Yeah. And even then I was still thinking about, you know, maybe starting a dairy on the farm, you know, that I'm farming now. Um, but uh, ended up, you know, getting some beef cattle, um, you know, the, the dairy, just the, getting the the equipment and um you know just the the milk and infrastructure and all that was gonna it just cost a lot more than i could swing at the time but so i was just trying to build a uh, just a beef cow herd and then if i wanted to transition later on but ended up just yeah just kind of going with the with the beef cattle and cool so so you just you, you sort of just went all in on this on this farm. So how many acres? Uh, how many acres are you are you farming now? Um, it's like uh, seven hundred and something, but but of that, probably um, over half of it's wooded or mountains. That's okay. not um, grazable, right? Oh, got it. So so three hundred, four hundred acres, right? Give or take, um, and then and then so you just. You just started to do, uh, and basically what your dad was doing, right? Like right. growing the herd, keeping the heifers, calf cow, and mm-hmm. then just working on, you know, raising a, a bigger and bigger herd until you can fill out your land. Right. So more or less, right. What yep. was going on? Okay, cool. And then um, at some point you started getting into chickens, and at some point you started looking at, you know, making a relationship instead of on the commodity market, making a relationship to you know to the consumer and sort of cutting out the middleman so to speak so like how'd you how'd you start look like what was the what was the reason to start you know looking at trying to do other things you know maybe in addition to what your dad was doing or different than your dad was doing like what's you know what was sort of the the catalyst for that um shoot that's a good that's a good question i really I guess it, I guess it kind of uh, get, gets gets back to just like our family just really wanted to know what we're what we're eating. Yeah, um, you know, not like we're, we felt like we were raising a really good uh, beef, you know, you know, really good beef cow, and and then we just didn't know what happened to it. And then if you go to the grocery store and get a get a steak, is that one that we raised or one that you know, I guess, um, you know, yeah, we just wanted to, or, and I'm just speaking for me and my yeah. wife, just kind of wanted to know what we were eating. Yeah. You know? 
that that make oh man okay so what's the reason so I guess I should have I guess I should have asked this earlier why like why sell your cows at all why not just finish them here you know like why like why why does your dad have his operation set up so that he's selling either a six hundred or an eight hundred pound cow is it because I, I would right. imagine it takes like I would imagine that the last three, four hundred pounds that you put on an animal takes the most amount of food. So is right. it just a space thing? You know, and that's a good question. And I'm not really sure how it ended up like that. Like at what point did, I mean, cause if you think about it, it just doesn't make sense the way it is right now. Cause there's just all the cattle from, from this area all go to the feedlots. And then from there, they're, you know, packaged and distributed back everywhere else. Like, I mean, you would, yeah, I mean that's that's a good question, but yeah. it's kind of the way the way the way it's been. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, I think it's. I mean, so unless you sell, because if if you if you take a if you take a cow all the way to slaughter, like the slaughtering weight, and you get it slaughtered, there's not like there's not a market for that. Maybe unless you go out and you find somebody who wants that beef. Right. But right. the feedlots have the market. You know, they 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 have all these suppliers. I would imagine that they're filling. So they buy the cows. They have the market to sell the meat. Maybe that's how it works. Right. And then yeah, okay. So I think it's just if if you have a cow herd, you need a place to sell. You know, you need a place to sell your beef, and there's there's a market there. So you sell it to the market. Exactly. And the market does with it whatever it wants. Yep. That makes sense. Okay. So so you and your wife started, you know, just wanting to be a little more conscious about where the food was coming from that, you know, that's coming into your family. And then, you know, and then the wheels started turning from that. So then, so then what did you start to like finish cows just for your family at that point? Or, I mean, I I imagine that's what everybody does out here is like, you know, yeah, we used to, I mean, we've always kept our, our freezer filled up with beef from the farm. Um, um, but, uh, but yeah, we, and really we got, we kind of got, uh, on to, on a Joel Salatin and just his, the, the way he, the way he farms and, and, uh, you know, uses the, the resources and has, you know, just lots of, uh, lots of life, um, on his farm. Um, so Joe Salatin is the, uh, patriarch or the the godfather of polyface farms right right and the polyface farms is in where is it like midwest virginia kind of outside of harrisonburg i think swope okay so you're you're in southwestern virginia we're in southwestern virginia right now southwest virginia like basically where virginia touches tennessee so he's you know up 81 about three hours right okay cool so he runs a farm called polyface farms which is Probably one of the first farms that's, I doubt it's the first farm, but he made, like maybe back in the, what, when did he start, 80s, 70s, 60s? He's been doing he, this for a while. Yeah, long his time. dad was doing it and he just, uh, they, they just didn't um, shift to the industrial farming like most farmers did. They just, um, they just stayed with the, the all natural way. And, and so how would you summarize his farming methods um, or how would you describe the way he farms as opposed to, you know, perhaps other people? Oh, man. 
Oh. Yeah, or maybe a better way is I'll tell you what I think he does, and then you, you tell me where I make mistakes. <laughs> right, he, he's he's written books, and books, and books about how his is different than uh, than most other people. Right, so, a lot of it's pat, like just animals move. You know, he'll he'll say animals move in nature, um, but but I mean his, his system is like animals. You know, I mean pretty much like a a pig was created with a with a snout to to root and dig. You know. And, and a, a cow to, to graze and like he's he's trying to put these animals uh, in an environment that fits their created purpose and then that makes it better for the other animals and better for the land and better for the people eating it <laughs> so instead of instead of putting like let's say that you had a hundred acres and let's say that on that hundred acres you could you could fit you know the 200 cows or 300 cows or whatever. So at some point, like that's that's all you got, right? Like you can add more cows, but now there's not going to be enough grass for all the cows. So now you need to bring in more feed, and so maybe that you know even if that feed is is really natural feed, you're still just overpopulating the area. Right. So instead of instead of increasing the value of that hundred acres by adding more cows, he would add chickens and have the chickens go in you know, egg laying chickens or whatever and spread the manure of the cow and then they'd come in to their huts or, you know, coops or whatever and then they would lay chickens and now he has cows and eggs. And then he rolls like, uh, uh, boil, uh, like chickens that you ultimately eat, he'll roll those through the fields and that'll help, you know, again, spread the manure and, you know, better for the grass and then grow chickens. And so now on the same grass, he has cows, uh, chickens to eat and eggs and then he might put um, pigs in a part of the a part of the woods where the cows don't really go where it's like wooded and now the pigs are in that part and then he might put lambs on the grass with the cows because they eat a different part of the grass and so now instead of just one animal and like a very singular focus on the farm he's got the farm singing in five or six different ways right right yep he's he's stacking instead of um, you know, looking looking more vertically than horizontally, and that, and that was part of the, you know, one of the issues that I was struggling with starting my farming because this farm was, uh, you know, like I said, a, a lot, once in a lifetime opportunity, but it came with a big payment, and so I was like scratching my head trying to figure out how to make this this payment, and so I was like, well, if uh, you know, if I'm if I'm trying to make a go with this selling cows, I need more cows to sell, so I'm gonna have to get more land to keep the cows. And so I was just thinking, I need, you know, more land, more cows, more land, more cows, instead of like, you know, maybe this land and you know cows and chickens and pigs and eggs and turkeys or, you know, right. And and then what that ends up doing is complementing each other instead of competing it's not like the chickens and cows are fighting over the same grass you know the chickens are making more grass for the cows so you mm -hmm. can you can keep more you know ha having the chickens with your with in your pasture you can keep more cows than without them you know because they're fertilizing um you know where, where, the, where you run those chickens um i mean they're they're putting down like Oh, uh, I, I mean, I can't remember. I mean, Joel Southens mentioned like how much nitrogen per acre it comes out to, but but the grass just just jumps, and you know, the cows 
um, cows eat the grass. Eat the grass, and so okay, the more so grass you grow, and the more cows you can keep. And so you run chickens through a field, and the chickens are gonna. You feed the chickens some, but then they also go around and they pick up all the little critters that are in the grass, right? Like they right. just. And, and they'll so, eat grass, yeah. And they'll eat the grass. Okay. So then so then the chickens, you, you know, like, in theory, you could run the cows through a field. The cows eat all the fresh grass. They leave a bunch of manure. And then the, the flies and everything go to the manure. And then larvae and stuff start to grow in the manure. And then you bring the chickens through. The chickens are in their... They're in their little chicken mobiles that sort of roll over this grass, and so then they they spread the maneuver the manure. They eat the they eat the larvae and they eat some of the grass, and then they they're they're obviously drinking water and they're peeing all over the place. And that pee is the nitrogen, so you're nitrogen nitrogenating the ground. And they're pooping. They don't pee. They don't. Chickens don't pee. Chickens don't pee. <laughs> oh my goodness. Seriously, they drink water. Yeah, did, it's weird. Right? Did I not? I am, am I? Okay, am I the only one? If should I have known that? I don't know. Is that ridiculous? Now I'm starting to question it myself. Birds, I, poop on the birds, bur, birds poop. Okay, birds liquid poop. I guess that makes sense. You never got bird pee on you. Oh wow, man! All right, learning something today. All right. All right. I cool. Hope, I hope that's right. You sound. Birds don't pee. Well, human that. human pee has a bunch of nitrogen in it. Human pee, like you pee out, you basically all nitrogen. Which they do drink water, so yeah. I mean, it's. I guess they drink the water to just lubricate the poop. Right. All right. Well, then they're pooping out nitrogen. All right. So birds, it. so birds are just pooping all over the place, and that's good fertilizer for the ground. They're spreading the the, the cow fertilizer, and uh, or the cow manure. And then they're they're eating you know bugs and stuff, which helps the cows because now the the bugs and stuff aren't flying all over the cow's face. Right. Cool. All right. So that's so that's sort of like the Joe Salatin you know model, or maybe not you know his model. That's that's the model that that he incorporates. I don't think he invented it, but he certainly perfected it. Right. Cool. So then you started you started seeing the opportunity. And maximizing the amount of, uh, you know, whatever, um, you know, money, I guess, for lack of better terms, that you could get out of, you know, an acre of land if you, if you go vertical with more animals. Right. And so then the first animal you diversified with was chickens. Is that right? right? And we like to, you know, we like to eat chicken. It's, <laughs> you know, but well, we want to, <clears throat> you know, I, I guess we just, or, you know, just kind of don't have uh, as much confidence in the industrial food system or just not, I don't know, if I'm gonna eat, if I'm gonna eat a chicken, which I like to eat, I wanna just know it's, uh, it was raised right, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so it just goes back to, you know, like you wanted, you wanted you and your family to eat the best quality food and you're spending all this time raising good quality food, but you're going to the grocery store buying who knows what. Right. So then you're like, well, why why don't we just make good quality food and then sell it to people? Basically, right? Right. Cool. So you started first with chickens. How did you and like you just went to you just watched Joe Salatin read his books and then just copied everything he did? <laughs> well, sort of. Yeah, on some YouTube videos and yeah, uh, we we did we we found some used uh, processing equipment and 
So when we when we picked it up, we got to you know help them process some chickens and kind of get a get a feel for what we were doing. And uh, yep, just just jumped in and kind of learning as we go. Okay, so how does the chicken process work? Uh, well. <laughs> The whole the whole chicken yeah, process. Like, like, do you are you breeding chickens? Are you hatching little chicks? No, no. Okay. Um, so you buy we yeah we get we get the the chicks just hatched. We order them, and uh, and they they uh, they come in the mail. They come in the mail. They come in the mail. Like UPS just drops them off. Well, no, they they come through the U.S. Postal Service, and I mean they'll bring them to your house, but usually like we know when they're coming, so so we'll. Call the post. When I, like whenever the post office gets them, we just go get them. That way we can get them, um, get them, you know, food and water as soon as we can. Wow. Do they get shipped with food and water? No, they uh, chicks can go like um, a couple days without food and water. But, wow. But if they get like once they start eating and drinking, like they have to have it. So if if they're or at least this is the way I understand yeah. it. You know, like if if they're fed and watered, and then they don't get it whenever they need it, then they'll die. As opposed to like whenever they're born and hatched, they're they're good for 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 a couple days. Wow! So you get a box of how many chickens? However many we order. Yeah. Like how how many? Like it, it literally just comes in a box and you open it yeah, up and there's it's, just it's, how many uh, chicks are in a box. Oh like man! 20, 30, 40, 50? Like a like a hundred in a in a in a box, I guess. What? Yeah, they're just itty bitty. Yeah, hey, and fuzzy. <laughs> and any like you could just order chickens. It's true. <laughs> this, I wow. I guess I should have thought about that a little more because it makes a lot of sense. I just can't believe they mail it to you. Yeah, I know. When we started, that blows my mind. We started this. We were like, yeah, we need to get some chickens. But then we're like, where do we get our chickens? And uh, <laughs> so we, we, we try to figure out where Joel South and Gary is. And we just, you know, went with, went with that. Yeah. Okay, so the, the chicks come in the mail. Um, and they're tiny little things. And wh- what do you do with them then? So they got to they gotta stay pretty warm. Um, they got to be like 90 degrees um, Wow. For uh, for a few days, and then it can the temperature can gradually start going down, but but so we uh, we they call it the brooder. You know they stay in the brooder for the first uh, for the first days until they are are able to to adjust to uh, whatever the outside temperature is. And so they're in the brooder for for that amount of time. Are you just slowly lowering the temperature of the brooder while they're in there to acclimate them, or are they just getting bigger and tougher? They're, yeah, they're getting bigger and tougher. But we are um, like we, we put heat lamps, uh, you know, in the in the brooder. So it's not like the whole brooder is ninety degrees, but they can get to ninety degrees. Mm-hmm. And then so as they get bigger they just don't stay under the heat lamp oh, as much. They don't get as I got it. Okay. Um, they don't get as close. And then we'll get to where um to where yeah we just don't use the heat lamps and then Got it. Okay. And then once they're so after how long? Like two weeks? Uh, yeah, two to three. And a lot of it's kinda of dependent on the outside temperatures. You know, you don't want the first night outside to be you know, below freezing or you know you, you just kinda gotta make sure they're they're ready for whatever the temperatures outside are, um, and then you're putting them, you're putting them outside on grass, and then 
um, they're in they're in cages, but the cages are, are basically there so that the predators, the natural predators, don't come and eat them all, right? Right. So yep. around here, what's that? Coyotes mainly is what you're what you're worried about. Foxes, raccoons, possums, skunks. Oh wow! Yeah, They'll rats. All eat. Yeah. I guess if it's small enough, yeah, I guess that makes sense. So uh, so these these pens that they're in. So these pens have you know some water. Uh, some shade, and then you just roll these pins over grass. Just eat, like you move them each day, each week. How does that work? Yep, move them every day. Every day. Yeah. Just move them to a, a, just a fresh piece of grass. Mm-hmm. We we made them um, ten by twelve, like mm-hmm. like Joel Salatin's, and uh, so chickens don't like they don't do very good with uh, with wind or with rain. So they they need the shelters like one uh, for predators, just like you said, because. Even with the shelters, predators can uh, can get in there and do some damage. Um, but yeah, too the the wind and rain, so they're kind of um, uh, built in a way that they can have access to to sunshine or shade. You know, they can get um, you know. It's they can a, just kind of go where they want. Right. Okay. Right. And it's floorless, so they're you know it's on the on the grass, and then part of it's covered, and part of it is just just covered with chicken wire so they they've got access to sun and shade got it okay and uh and yeah we my uh my father my father-in-law he he built a uh a little dolly thing which it was joel south and moves all his with uh with the dolly hmm. but so you just raise up one end slide that dolly under there and then you pull the other end and they're oh okay they're 10 by 12 so you're just pulling them the length of the shelter you're moving them so they get, get 10 feet 12 feet whatever yep cool and then how long how long after so they're in the the brooder for two to three weeks and then how long are they are they in the in the Pens like how long does a chicken take to? Yeah, chicken? five to six more weeks. It's like eight weeks, and they're ready to be. Processed. Eight weeks total. Right. Okay. Wow, that's pretty quick. Yeah, it's crazy. That's that's two months. Yeah. From chick to yeah, from chick to it's chicken. Yeah, it really is. It's uh, it's crazy how fast they grow. You know, they come like you said in a, in a box, and then eight weeks later they're like, you know, they're huge. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. All right. It is. It, you know it, and and those will fill up. Uh, you know, if you get a hundred chickens, I mean that'll, uh, um, you know, fill up a chest freezer, and a, and a beef will fill up a chest freezer. But it takes a beef, you know, two two years to to get to that size. Whereas these chickens are, um, yeah, it's crazy how fast they grow. That's a good point. Yeah. So you're so going back to that beef cow. One cow takes what two years to get that four hundred pounds that we were talking about. Um. Yeah, give or take. You know, some maybe a little before, but some of them longer. So right. I would say average two two years. And then what's a what's the average weight of a chicken? Eight. It's like six to eight pounds. Uh, five to probably the carcass. The carcass weight after being processed is yeah five to six pounds. Wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's cool. So you've done chickens what for one season now? Right. And so. You like once once it's time to process. So I've actually been down here a few times and helped you with the processing process, which is a lot of fun. And right. it's, it's actually really, it's a lot different. I you know honestly I don't know what I was expecting the first time I came down here, um, but it's it's actually really man it's really it's a great process. 
you know, a lot of people, I think a lot of people, you know, they look at, they, they look at the food that they're eating and, you know, they, they understand that it's animals and everything, but I don't think they, a lot of people really know the amount of care that goes into, you know, especially with like your chicken process. So walk me through like, how's it, how's it go from, from bird to, to chicken breast? <laughs> well, first we got to round them up out of the, the shelters. Yep. Um, so, so we've, we've got, you know, crates that we, we transport them in. Um, and then they go to, uh, the, the kill cones. So we put them, put them, you know, head, head down in the kill cones. And so it's just like, it's like a, like a cone, like, a funnel, cone, top, like yeah. a funnel. And then the head comes down to the bottom. And so then you, what, you just prick the jugular and then they bleed out. Yeah. And then uh, I was watching a video, Joe, Joe Salatin saying that because they're inverted, the only thing that they feel is the prick that goes into their neck and then they immediately pass out because the, the blood leaves their head and they immediately pass out. So that's the last thing they feel. And so then the, the blood totally drains out from the, from the carcass or from the body, I guess. Right. And then well, what's the next step? There, from from there, they go to the to the scalder, right? Which is scalded in water, like 145 degrees, and uh, so they go in the scalder, and they'll. Uh, it's like a rotisserie scalder, so um, sort of shakes them up. And the the idea is that you're gonna that you're gonna loosen up the feathers, right? Right. Okay. So they go in the scalder for a minute or so. The feathers get loosened up. You take them out of there. Put them in the plucker. The plucker. The plucker is. The person who invented the plucker, I hope that person is so rich. This is, this is up there with some of the top inventions of humanity. There, there might be the wheel, there might be the fire. There's the, there's definitely the, the guy who invented the, the, the plug that goes in the Starbucks <laughs> hole. Right, you know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. Like that guy. Uh, and then there's the, the chicken plucker guy. Like these he's, are. He's, he's with them for sure. hundred <laughs> percent. Yep. This is the coolest machine I've ever seen in my entire life. How, like, d- describe it. Oh man, it's uh, sort of like a like a like a tub, like a dryer with a bunch of rubber fingers on it, and the the bottom of it spins around, um, and it like sprays water, and you drop the chickens in there, and then it like spins the chickens through this vortex. And then all these rubber fingers are just batting off and it just the feathers. Shoots the feathers right out. And then the, it somehow magically it yeah. sucks the feathers out, and then it shoots the feathers out. Then you pull this bird out, and it like has like ninety nine percent of the feathers it's, gone. It's true. And if you were to, if you were to try to pluck that chicken by hand, that would be an hour. Right. Easy. Yep. And this thing, <laughs> feathers gone. Yeah. It's That's incredible. the way it is. And see, we, whenever we, we were first deciding to get these chickens, we were planning on doing them just, just by hand, you know? And that's the way everybody around, you know, our, like my dad and his dad, you know, that, I mean, farmers had chickens and they'd just go out and kill a chicken and pluck it and, and uh, you know, fry it or, throw, you know? And so that's kind of what we were thinking. And we, we went and visited uh, Polyface, and so we were asking them, you know, about the their chicken process, and we were, like, that chicken equipment, processing equipment is... Uh, I mean, it's pretty expensive, and so we were thinking, you know, we can, you know, we're just going to start out with a few chickens and just do them by hand. And so we asked them, like, like at what point do we make the investment in this chicken processing equipment? 
And, and he said, with the first chicken, or if not, you won't do any more chickens. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, yeah, they're, they, it's, a, it's a game changer. It's a, it's a brilliant, uh, it, w- it would be hard for us to, to do this without that chicken plucker, for yeah, sure. That chicken plucker is incredible. I mean, y'all got to Google, just Google chicken, Joe Salatin chicken plucker, <laughs> Joe Salatin chicken processing. This thing's incredible. The first time I saw it, like literally my mind was blown. I, I still to this day have no idea how the feathers get out of there and end up on the floor. This, it's, it's, it's a David Blaine chicken plucker. This guy's a magician. <laughs> so, so the chickens go from the chicken plucker, then they go to a station where you break off the head, right. chop, chop off <clears throat> the feet, yep. and then they go to the evisceration station, which is my expertise. Like this is where I like this is my jam. Yeah. And then there you basically scoop the neck and pull out all the all the all the juicy innards and then take those out, scoop out the lungs, and then you put them on ice and then the next step is to either part them or just package them whole, but they're ready to they're ready to go at that point, right? Right. Man. And then you part them, package them, and then you sell them. That's that's what you do. Yep. And then they're ready to eat that day, or do they need to rest, or what? Like they're just ready to go. Ready to go. Man, that's that's crazy. Yeah, that's cool. It is. It is. It's pretty cool. It's pretty exciting. So, so now you're doing now now going back to your beef or the what 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 percentage of your beef is grass-fed versus, you know, pasture-raised and like what's how does that look? Um well, the like this past year the uh I've got um you know, so, some cows calve in the spring, some in the fall. So so my spring calvers um are all just just grass-fed. They're just they're just grazed and just hay in the winter and then I wean the calves just with hay. And and so they're just all all grass fed, and then the fall calvers, <clears throat> um, we uh, we've been you know, they're they're on grass all the time you know so they're and they're grazing, but whenever we weaned them we started feeding them a little bit of grain. Okay. With the yeah with the grass. And so you'll supplement just a little bit of feed during the winter, uh, because there's not as much grass in the winter. Right. In Ridge Valley. Right. Okay. Cool. So you've got. You've got your cows, you've got some grass-fed, some grain-fed, and then um, you've got chickens. What's, what's the future? What's the future look like for Will Campbell? Oh, man, that's a good, that's a good question. We've got, we've, we've got a lot of uh, plans and ideas, but turning those into action is... Yeah. Um, what's, the next, what's, the next, what's the next thing? What's the next animal? We want to get some pigs. We want to get... Yeah. Pigs. I, I love... Um, you know, bacon and sausage and pulled pork and, and, and yeah. And we've got a lot of wooded area that, that would be, uh, be great for, so pigs, pigs pigs operate in, in like the wooded, wooded area. Right. Okay. So, or grass. I mean, they'll, they'll eat grass, but they just like the shade and the mud and the, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's, um, how long? How long is a pig? So a cow you said is two years. A chicken's eight weeks. What's a pig? I think like six months. Okay, and then it'll it'll be a similar operation to to the chickens where you would buy a little piglet, 
raise the piglet to a certain size and then put them in the fields and then just let them let them do their thing in the fields. Right. Wow. Cool. Sweet. And then and then you'll have pigs. And then what's after pigs? Um, egg layers, which we're we're going to do do egg layers uh, on a smaller, just kind of uh, on a f- just for our family, but but eventually we'd like to get to where we can can do you know an egg mobile that that follows the cows and and have lots of eggs okay got it so right now your your meat chickens are just kind of in in sort of random areas around the farm and you just move them like you said but eventually you'll have like what is it what what does joe salatin call it an egg mobile right just this big thing that has how many chickens oh i think his his egg mobiles do like 800 or something. Wow. And so then 800 chickens are just going out following the cows and just going all over the fields and just going to town on them. Right. And then they're not peeing because they're chickens and chickens don't pee, obviously. Um, so, yeah, that's that's cool. All right. So we're going to do the egg chickens next. And then then what? <sighs> are you Lambs? Possibly, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I think I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's cool. And maybe maybe some uh, some turkeys. Um, yeah, we're not we're not super sure. We're <laughs> <laughs> just trying to just just play by ear and see how it goes. Right. That's awesome. So what, like what, what? is the thing, you know, like you, you were talking about how you and Amy, you and your wife, you, you know, one of the major reasons why you started shifting to, to this style of farming, it was because you really cared about where your meat, you know, where your meat came from. Right. Um, what, I guess what, what do you want people to know, man? (laughs) Like, right. What, I mean, what, how do you, how do you know? Like, what do you look for? Like, how do you, do you know what to look for in the grocery store to, like, how do you know that your, your meat's coming from, from someplace good? Like, how do you know you're getting good quality meat? How do you know your farmers, you know, like, what do you, what do you do? Well, that's a, that's a good question. That's a good question. But I think it's, uh, oh man, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess I used to think, you know, hey, beef is beef, chicken's chicken, um, you know, but, but it's not, you know, I mean, we, we, I mean, if you look at, look at people, like some people are healthy and some people are not healthy and then there's everything in between. But, but I mean, so, so, so to just say that beef is beef and chicken is chicken, you know, is, uh, um, you know, there, there, there's just a lot of problems with their industrial food system that, um, I mean, what, uh, Let's let's see what what impacts our health, you know, um, our diet, you mm-hmm. know, um, exercise and uh, stress, right? Yeah. Um, so if you've got animals in confinement, you, they're not getting exercise, you know, they're not, um, and their their diet is not natural if it's all just force fed, you know, the cows and the feedlots aren't choosing what they're eating or the, the chickens in these, you know, houses have no access to grass or, 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 you know, um, what they're, uh, what they're eating or, uh, 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and stress, you know, it's just not, um, not a, uh, um, I mean, I mean, stressful, stressful, um, environments will cause, I mean, just look at it, look at the, the cattle that are, that are transported across the country and, and put in, in, uh, confinement environments or, or, you know, that, that, uh, creates sickness that's, that's treated with, with, uh, antibiotics or, or whatever. And then it's, you know, mass treated with more to prevent that, you know? So we're just trying to look at, um, you know, what's, what's best for, um, just yeah. the health of the animal. Right. It, it seems like, it, and this is sort of like the approach that I've taken. It seems like the only, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of, you know, organic is probably better than not organic. And, you know, I'm sure there's things that you can do to, you know, buy better meat. Probably the best thing you could do is just, just to get to know your farmer. Exactly. <laughs> you know, even and, the organic, even the organic stuff. I mean, um, I mean, don't think that like Tyson and these big players aren't, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're seeing, um, people paying a premium for an organic label. So they're going to figure out how to get a premium for their products too. You know, if they right. can, if they can give their, give their, uh, their animals, uh, switch the feed rations a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I read something the other day, like a, a lot of the, the grass fed cattle that are, that are grass fed are being fed grass pellets in confinement, you know, <laughs> but, but yeah, you're exactly, I mean, even, even certifications don't necessarily mean, you know, I mean, yeah. you can, there are some really good, um, you know, I feel like, like my dad is raising good beef cattle, you know, but then there's some that's, that's, that's not. And, and when you go to the grocery store, there's no way of knowing what's, what's good or not. I mean, I mean, people can argue about the, the labels and certifications, but yeah, like you said, the, really the only way to know what you're eating is to, to know your food or to know your, to know your farmer, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the major reasons why I wanted to get you on this podcast. Cause I think, I think not enough people are really, you know, more people are doing it, but I, I don't think enough people are putting a lot of thought into, you know, what comes into their, what comes into their house, what comes up, you know, what they put on their plate, what they choose to eat. And I think, you know, like you were saying, with the animals that are, that are getting unhealthy because they're getting unhealthy food, you know, obviously like humans are getting unhealthy because we're eating unhealthy food. And I think I, I, I heard on a podcast or, or something the other day that was saying that like there's a hundred million diabetic or pre-diabetic Americans like today. That's one in three Americans are diabetic or pre-diabetic. And that's crazy. And I think, I think having better relationships with, like starting a relationship with a farmer and knowing where you get your food, joining a CSA, you know, buying local and, you know, all those, all those things I think are really, really important. Um, because you're like, first off, you're getting a, a much healthier product. And secondly, you're supporting somebody who's like, who's creating that better product, you know? So like, we obviously live in America, capitalism and everything else, but you, you know, like you vote with your dollars. And if you want to support, you know, good quality, like food coming into your market, then support the, the farmers who are creating it, you know, cause like, I mean, you're, you know, obviously like you're doing, you're doing all right, you know, like your, your family's 
it has a house. There's heat in the in the house now, but you know you're not like rolling in rolling in the dough yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you know it'd be cool to I don't know sell more chickens and and spread a better quality food source to to the to the region to the area. Right. Right. Yeah, and that's that's something that 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 even we're learning more about is just um, you know I mean, we talked about how our chicken was processed, but you know how, how many people know about how uh, the the industry chickens processed. Hmm. You know, I mean, you you know how to eviscerate that chicken, right? I mean, you are yeah. you are an expert at um, the, uh, eviscerating, but but the industry um, chickens are all eviscerated mechanically, hmm. and they don't do it near as good as you do. You know, they <laughs> right. they they might they're not um, as thorough. They they, they might bust some intestines or some gallbladders, and and which which leads to needing chemicals to make sure that stuff's not contaminated. You know, it's just, uh, um, yeah, I mean, you just, you just don't know, you just don't know what you're eating unless you know, um, and, and that's something, I mean, our family's just trying to learn more about, and it's not just with meat. I mean, it's with, with vegetables and, uh, you know, produce, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of the commodity vegetables are, are not, not grown for, the the nutrition or the way the you know but but grown for uh shelf life you know to be transportable or mm. um uh, i mean there's just a, there's just a lot of problems with with their with our food industry and and we don't have all the answers but we just want to i guess ha- having kids you know it's it's one thing if i'm going to feed myself bad food and get <laughs> sick but um but you know whenever we start feeding our kids uh you know we want to you know make sure that that we're um, you know, doing what's best for them. Yeah. And it really is, uh, you know, you, and, and we can't, we, you know, we can't produce food for, for what you can get a steak at the grocery store or a chicken at the grocery store, you know, I mean, I wish we could, you know, I wish, uh, um, but we, we just, we, you know, we wouldn't be able to stay in business if we were selling chickens for, you know, $6 a piece or, you know, we just can't, uh, do it as much as we would like to. Um, and, and that's kind of been a problem, but, but it's just, um, it, it's just the, the, the food we eat is just like the best investment we can make in our life. Or, you, you know, I mean, you just think about how, how many meals will you eat in a lifetime and just think about how complex your body is to keep, you know, for your heart to keep beating and your lungs to keep breathing and just, uh, you know, your, your body is run on, on what you put in it. Right. Yeah. And if it's, uh. If if we put you know and, and you mentioned you know the the health of our country, um, if if we keep on putting bad food in our in our bodies, our bodies are going to have problems, right? Yeah, and I I love I love the way that you said it. It's like um, you know food is an investment to your health. You know we talk about that with the gym all the time. That you know fitness, you're you're not joining a gym. You're investing in your health. You're not. You know, you're not buying expensive, you know, more expensive chicken. You're literally making an investment for your health. And that stuff tastes better. Like, it really does. Like, no kidding. The chickens you make, like, taste just richer, just more, like, more like chicken. Tastes like chicken. You know, yeah, like, right. it's, it's really, it's really good quality stuff. And I found it's harder to overcook your chickens either because, like, I care more about them. You know, some, like, being more cautious about how I cook them. Or they're just a little more robust. I don't know if that's culinarily makes any sense. That's just what I found. Right. The 
the breasts stay more tender and the, the, the thighs and legs are just incredible. Um, that, that's been part, you know, part of the, part of the, the problem as far as getting, getting people to, uh, to buy food whenever, you know, there's cheaper food available, you know, yeah. like you can go to the grocery store and get healthy food. That's not local food or not. That's, that's, you know, just industry commodity food. That's, that's a lot cheaper, but you, you know, we just don't know, um, don't know what it is. And so it's, uh, um, I lost where I was going with that. No, I mean, it makes sense. So you can obviously like you can get, you can get, I mean, with anything, you can get cheaper, inferior quality anywhere you go. Um, if you want good quality stuff, you're going to pay more. And, you know, local, like supporting your local farmer is no exception. You and know? at the end of the day, you know, if you're, if we're putting our money into, uh, I mean, it's about priorities, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, is our, is our health a priority or n- not? You know, at the, at the end of the day, what's going to prevent you from... You know, if, if our money is is uh, going into our, our house, our car, our entertainment, our vacations, or whatever, those things aren't necessarily going to keep us healthy. You know what I mean? So this yeah. is, it's not just like, you know, and invest in gold and get rich. You know, that gold isn't going to prevent you from getting um, cancer or what. You know, it's it's the best investment you can make in your in your life is yeah. in your health, which, which goes hand in hand with, you know, it's not just about what you eat, but... It's a huge part of it. Yep. And if you're concerned about price, then buy the best quality chicken that you can buy. But instead of buying the pieces, buy the whole bird. Right. It's so much cheaper. You can buy the whole bird. And then probably after like five or six birds, you'll, you'll get the hang of how to break it down. But it's pretty easy to break it down. You can break it down into all of the different parts. And for the cost of a $8, $10 bird, you can get both of the breasts and the tenders f- from, for basically the same price as you would buy the whole bird. If you buy boneless, skinless breast, you're probably paying six to eight dollars just for those two breasts, right? And then you can basically get the whole bird for that price. So if you're if you're a little on the price conscious side, just buy the whole bird and just learn how to break it down. And if you can't afford it, just come down and and you can work for food. You <laughs> yeah, just process you can, process chickens. That's right. We'll send you back with uh, with a bunch of them. That's right. So. Um, cool. So how do people find out about you, Will? What's your, what's, what's your farm called? Old Rich Valley Farm. Old Rich Valley Farm. Yep. We don't have a, a website up and going yet. But you're on Facebook, right? We are on Facebook. Yep. So go to Facebook, Old Rich Valley Farms, and uh, yeah, follow along. And then uh, buy some chicken from Will. Or beef. Or beef. Or both. Or both. And, and eventually, pork eventually pork, and then eventually lamb, and then... Uh, we didn't talk about alpacas, but we'll get there one day. Right, alpacas, yeah. <laughs> cool. Or, or just come and see us. You don't have to. You can just come come down, check us out. Yep, exit 47 off 81. All right, thanks, Will. <laughs> All right. See you.